Hey folks, thanks for tuning in again, or for the first time, to my silly little podcast, A Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole, where I ferret through my vinyl collection of about 500 records and my tiny brain of about 500 remaining brain cells and take a light-hearted, positive, fanboys look at my favourite songs and bits of songs and artists that fall within a different, pointless, set theme every episode, and I sometimes highlight some rock and roll bed shits just for some fun. It's really just an attempt to archive some stories, old YouTube interviews, and some great songs for like-minded rock music fans. Choosing from any song part or artist that has given me joy as a listener or a slight Norwegian wood as a musician. It's not a countdown, but I will leave my favourite choice for last. This is just a bit of laid-back, unnecessary fun that hopefully inspires someone to support a musician by buying some music or some merch, or listen to an old favourite album, and check out all this amazing shit that I adore, which has formed the soundtrack of my life. As a lot of people do like to share their opinions these days, please let me know if you think if I have missed anything in my record collection that I know and that I like by sending me an email at thisisnotarealemailaddress at gofeckyegoodself.cockgoblin.com. That's cock spelt with two Ks, and I'll get back to you as soon as I give a shit. But seriously, if you do want to say hi, you can hit me up and follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook a rock and roll rabbit hole podcast or via the website a rock and roll rabbit hole.com that's com spelt with a c the website also has spotify playlist of all of the songs used in each episode past episodes as well and some other golden magic and i also have some small playlists of the great lesser known artists that i like to highlight at the end of each episode on the victims tab of the website Please rate, review, subscribe, and share the podcast. If you are digging it, that's super helpful and genuinely appreciated. Thanks again. Apologies in advance, and here goes. Do you know what song that is? I'll play it again. Or what about this one? Or what about this one? I recently heard this song in a supermarket where I hear a lot of great tunes and I knew it was Rock With You before a harmonic note had been played due to that great instantly recognisable drum fill intro. So my little brain got busy thinking of great songs that start with drums and are recognisable within a few seconds to me. Episode 43, Instant Drums. So here's a few examples of stuff I didn't really want to put in the episode as I don't love the songs, but they are super well known and I'm guessing that most people will know them. We heard this one before with a nice moose to start the bass. Which is obviously... And I bet most of you can pick this one. Okay, here comes Love Shack, our biggest hit ever. And one of the number one wedding songs of all time. And karaoke. 
Nothing like a good drum intro. So I was driving up to Woodstock where the band was jamming and I was trying to come up with titles for songs and Love Shack just popped in my mind. I didn't know of other that other bands had done songs called Love Shack. Um, so it was all original to me. So I, I put out the, the title and um, when we started uh, uh, also jamming in New York City, uh, we each, Kate, Cindy and I doing the lyrics thought of uh, what the Love Shack meant. Uh, for me, when I was coming up with the title and some, some lyric ideas, uh, there was a club in, well, 20 miles outside of Athens in the middle of nowhere called the Hawaiian Holly. And it was an African-American disco that friends of mine had discovered. And I don't know why it was called the Hawaiian Holly because it's in like Comer, Georgia. But um, <laughs> uh, you'd open the door and it, it's because it's like in the woods somewhere. You'd open the door and all of a sudden you're in this fabulous African-American wild disco playing wild music, James Brown, everything. And um, so uh, that's, that, that became my inspiration. I think Kate thought of um, her house. Uh, she, lived in a, she lived in a shack with uh, like one heater, no running water. She had a pump in her, uh, live, uh, in her kitchen. She had an outhouse, you know, so you have to watch out for black widows and things like that. Calves would come up and she had chickens. Um, but uh, when you see uh, the video, uh, we tried to just create a real wild party. Everyone's invited, because uh, that's always been our philosophy for shows. Uh, everyone's invited. Uh, if you're old, young, any race, creed, or color, uh, well, Donald Trump don't come. Uh, you're invited to our party. Uh, and uh, when you, uh, well, Chrysler's in America back then were as big as whales. I'm thinking of like a 1970 Chrysler. I mean, it's like a boat with wheels. Um, so somebody on the set had a Chrysler giant Chrysler convertible and so we performed in that and then we had uh, Zach Alford, Sarah Lee and Pat Irwin in the video because they were our touring band. Uh, we had friends come up. Uh, we spent two days filming and uh, when the police saw all the wildness coming into this small town in upstate New York they said we don't like those kind of people. And we, you know, you know, F you, who cares? Uh, so we just did our thing. Uh, you'll see RuPaul starting the, um, the uh, dance line down the thing, which we always did. We loved a dance line, you know, where everyone takes a turn dancing. I was doing a dance called a panty flame where you pull down your undies and throw them, you know, away. Um, and when Cindy, when we were jamming, we don't always hear what the others are saying, so I was singing uh, whatever. Then Cindy 
said, tin roof rusted, but I didn't hear what she said, and I go, you're what? Just circling back to My Sharona, Nirvana actually covered it. You know, My Sharona, what the hell is My Sharona? <laughs> you know? But it changed my life. It did. <laughs> my Sharona. Another fill to start an 80s song that you might recognise before the music kicks in. Did you get it? I'll play it again. Things like that. I'll give you an example of a song I wrote. Um, okay, everybody knows this one. Well, not everybody, but most people. Uh, let's see. Uh, you know, I don't really know how to work this thing. Okay, so I, I, I had this idea for a piece of music, and I'll, I'll, it was like a, a classical piece of music. Um, but I couldn't write it like an opera. La la la, la 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 Now the idea came about, I was, I had, I had been married the first time and I got divorced and I met, I started going out with a lot of women at one time, I was like 30, in my mid-30s and before I, uh, I was going out with uh, Christy, I was going out with Elle McPherson, nobody knows this but it's true, I was going out with her for like uh, half a year, it was, no, wasn't going to work out, she's like so tall, you know, we looked like the word low, you know, when we went out. But it was great, so I was going out with her, I was going out with, and then I was going out with Christy, and I was going out with these uptown girls. So it really got written, not as uptown girl, but as uptown girls. Like, but I was like laughing to myself. I'd go home, you know, and I'd, I'd wake up the next day, I'd look in the mirror, and I'd go, <laughs> this is great, you know? And you're going out with all these uptown girls, la 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 la, <laughs> It was just, it was kind of a joke to me. But then I thought, well, you know, I can't, I can't sing it like that. So I was doing this album, which was a lot of uh, older rock and roll type of songs, um, early 60s, late 50s, rhythm and blues and rock and roll. And one of the big bands at that time was the Four Seasons. So I thought, hey, I'll sing it like Frankie Valli, like a tribute to Frankie Valli. Which, you, you gotta sing Frankie Valli as if someone's... How do I put this? <laughs> someone's kind of squeezing...
the way, I mean, this is no secret. The song Hero is about Kurt Cobain, right. for, I, I, loosely based on Kurt Cobain, right? No? Nah. It's kind of more about just heroes that are ordinary. It's like ordinary, everyday, working-class hero you know kind of crap. Yeah, but are heroes ordinary or, in other words, are you saying that they all disappoint you? No, not at all. I'm it's just saying that they're regular people. I look up to regular people more than I look up to... Celebrities. Right. Right. Absolutely. Right. See, I have a whole different... I, I think it means something else. Me too. Right. I have a whole different feeling about that song. <laughs> What's it mean, Robin? Put me on the I couch, man. I think it man. is about Kurt Cobain. Uh, and you found out that your hero was just an ordinary guy and he couldn't handle it. See, I, I have a whole different thing. What do you think? I think it's about your hero is a guy who... Well, it's kind of like what you're saying who you can't believe is your hero because eventually they disappoint you. It's guys who should have been your hero and weren't. Well, yeah, you should. Yeah, it's your story. <laughs> right. I'm talking about his story. Yeah, I got a whole... Whatever. A lot of times I can't even listen to it because it makes me sad. That's good, though. That's the only kind of music I like. Check, check, check. Do you I'll like the sound of this? Off. drum intro song was released in October 1972 when this artist was 22 years old and it was off his 15th studio album and it reached number one in the US in January 1973. And on Rolling Stone's 2021 list of the 500 greatest songs of all time, it was ranked at number 12 and it won two Grammy Awards for Stevie Wonder. The drum groove was actually written by English guitar player Jeff Beck on a jam session with Stevie Wonder. Bye. 
funk set a whole new standard for danceability. Stevie Wonder once described it as the complexity of jazz and the earthiness of blues. Stevie didn't start out as a funk artist, but then again, funk didn't really exist when Wonder began his career at the age of 11. Stevie was one of the most prolific writers during the 70s, golden age of high funk. Here, Wonder explains how part of his funk anthem, Superstition, was inspired. There's a lot of very superstitions. What's your favorite name? And I think that kind of comes back when I used to, when I was a real, real little boy and I heard this song. Get out of this bed, watch your face in the shake around the road, something like that. And another quick Stevie Wonder song that has a great recognizable drum intro, which I featured incorrectly in episode 18's 4x4. It should have been in episode 20's brackets. Stevie Wonder played the drums on Superstition, and the drums on this track are played by Dennis Davis, who played with Bowie, Iggy Pop, George Benson, and others. The next drum intro is from one of the greatest love songs ever written, and it also has one of my favourite bass lines and guitar solos in it too. And here's George Harrison talking about the song. Writing something, I wrote the main part of that, and then I sort of just put it on ice for about six months because I thought, that's too easy. It sounds so simple. It must be something because when once I got into writing it, the first change. Da, 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 da. Once I made that change, everything f- followed. Just da da, you know, all those chord changes. So I thought it must be something else, but it wasn't. And I gave that song to Joe Cocker about a year before I did it, and then it took him that long to do it. By the time he did it, I'd done it on Abbey Road. And so that must have been the most successful song you'd had to date. Um, that and I think Here Comes the Sun and um, what else? Uh, songs Give Me Love, they were 
I mean, all had quite a lot of cover versions. I suppose the success of the song goes on not only how many copies you sell of your own version, but how many cover versions. In that respect, I think something is definitely the most successful. It's nice to have one that is one of those. It's funny, you know, you get in an elevator and you hear it playing on the Muzak. Do you remember the first time you fell in love? When your eyes met from across the room and you saw something in that person. You knew they were the one for you. Something in the way she moves attracts me like no one but see if you can pick this one that we heard way back in episode 10 did you catch it i'll play it again and here it is with the first bass note
Just a quick side note on dreams, I've always loved this little bridge that doesn't occur anywhere else in the two chord song. Strangely enough, one of the most famous game-changing instrumental guitar moments from 1978 has a very recognisable drum intro too. for playing with both your right hand and your left hand on the fretboard. Yeah, which brings me to, I can, I can, uh, can, you I can demonstrate. demonstrate? <laughs> well, you know, before the internet, nobody could search things and whatever, but you know, lately everybody's going, oh, Eddie Van Halen didn't invent tapping and, and pull hammer-ons and pull-offs and this and that. And I never claimed that I did, but I do know how and when I figured out how to do it, and on top of that, I never really heard anybody do with it what I did, which is actual pieces of music. But I'll never forget, Alex and I used to go to every concert um, at, the, at the forum in LA, and uh, Led Zeppelin's playing, and, and Jimmy Page is going like this, he's going. Okay, so he's got his hand up in the air, in the air and I'm going. So basically, I just moved the nut. Okay, this part right here is the nut. But then, I, I, instead of using this hand, I use this hand. So like right now, if I go like this, you can't tell which finger I'm using. This hand or that hand? You tell me, right hand or left hand? No, so my, my point being, my point being is, is basically this finger or these two or however many you want to use is just an extension of this hand, 
Okay, so if I'm playing an A. You know, figuring that, that out, then, then I started actually making uh, little pieces, you know, like, like Eruption. And this next drum intro is a song I stupidly missed in episode 18's 4x4. couple of Melbourne bands with some drum intros that are very recognisable to my little brain. feel better and this is Horsehead's Liar.
And here's a handful of songs we've used in previous episodes. See if you can pick the tunes. So let's work backwards here. This one. I know it doesn't give you much time, but... And this one. Think cheesy 70s and pedophile science teachers. This next one you'll either know or you won't. Give it to me one more time. And I'll give it to you one more time. Okay. That one might be a bit trickier. Let's go again. Somewhere way back, we heard Body Jar's version of The Police's Next To You. And here's another Body Jar song we heard with a great drum intro. And this one might be tricky, so I'll give it to you a couple of times. Two are pretty easy to identify by the artist, but maybe not the song. should be ashamed of yourself if you don't recognise these two.
press pause now, Rally Williams and Google Van Halen. really want to know, the rock and roll of the 50s was played by young, really rebellious people. And if you think about like Elvis Presley, who combined white music and black music and came right under the radar, that he was then, then his music was being played to uh, young kids. And it was really, was really controversial, but he managed to pull that off. All the rest of the ones you hear about, like, you know, Buddy Holly and Gene Vincent, all those, they were all... They were all young people playing, Chuck Berry, all that. They, they were playing lyrics for young people they could relate to. So it was a real sort of, you know, real change for the whole society then. It's really established rock and roll over the years, as we know. And it's, it's like in, I think probably now it's in everybody's DNA imprint. So that's a pretty good thing. When you write a piece of music like Stairway to Heaven, do you have a sense of that moment that it is something that is going to live forever? Um, no, but you know by the amount of the amount of uh, work you're putting into whatever it is, whatever number there is along uh, the whole route of Led Zeppelin, everything had a real sort of passionate drive to it. Um, you certainly in the like, in the very early days of Led Zeppelin, you didn't know. I didn't know I'd still be talking like right now out here with you about it, but. The reality of Led Zeppelin is that he sort of every year from 1980 when the group had to break up, that every year there's new musicians coming and listening to it. It's not it's, Led Zeppelin isn't something that sort of just has a revival every 10 or 15 years. It's sort of sort of alive and well. Too Young to Fall in Love that we heard a few weeks ago in the Motley Crue episode. And the next drum intro is for Nathan Hunt, and it's a song that went to number one in Argentina, number five in Australia, number six in New Zealand, and number four in Norway. Four. And didn't do much in America or UK in 1980. And I always thought this was Ace playing guitar, but it's actually Paul Stanley plays the lead guitar on the intro here, and it's pretty cool. And it's a Kiss song, one of their least favourite records, which is my only Kiss record that I love. Unmasked. 
Zeppelin before and of course there's a bunch of instantly recognisable intros from John Bonham and here's a handful of them recognizable drum intro that some Aussies may recognize. Tonight on Australia's biggest bargain sale, we're offering a BMW valued at $41,257 for $475. Cash to the total of $70,000 for $620. Two of the incredible bargains on sale of the century. And now let's get a big to tonight. Welcome to Tony Barber. Off the coast of which Scandinavian country, starting with N, Maryland. Norway. Is the Maelstrom, yes, too quick for him. Sea Farm. Detta kom som en bombe. I saw Blue Monday more of, a, of, a, of a, a machine and the different rhythms within it are different gear cogs. You got the beep. And the bass line is going. That's the engine. Uh, some eights high ass that are going. And you've got triplets that are going. It's like a load of gears. That's the way I see it. A load of gears all churning perfectly in sync with each other. That's how I see it. Less of a song, more of a, um, um, a beat generator. Still gets played today. It's a guaranteed dance floor filler, I think. Blue Monday was listening to music in a club, you know, going to heaven, 
and listening to early electro stuff or gay disco stuff, very loud, four floor. We wanted to hear our song in a sort of a disco clubby environment, so we decided to go in that direction. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it's insane. Blue Monday is an insane tune because I sort of hang around like a vampire with all these young DJs and these, you know, you pumping the Hacienda out as a, as a brand. And every bloody DJ, no matter how young he is or how old he is, from Carl Cox to bloody Skrillex or whatever, you know, the first thing they say to you is Blue Monday, man, that made me, that's inspired me, like, oh, God, it's a really weird thing to live with, but what a compliment it is, you know. I've witnessed that myself, I was in a club in Berlin once, and um, they were playing a lot of techno and stuff, and people were dancing, and then they put Blue Monday on, and everyone got up, literally everyone. In fact, I nearly broke my leg because of it, I did. We'd, yeah, we enjoyed the success because it was like we used to hear it everywhere and it was like one of the first records that I think was like our big, that used to hear everywhere. But I remember when we was writing it, Rob, our manager, Rob Gretton, used came in very early on and said, this is going to be a hit. And we were like, I don't think so. Because <laughs> we couldn't imagine it at the time. It just, it just, it's one of those things that we, just wrote it and it sounded good and people liked it and bought it without any promotion, without any radio airplay. Um, I don't know how. Which was very upbeat and I think it just completely changed our outlook. There wasn't, there was no promotion. We never did, we never promoted anything. We couldn't promote a fucking bring and buy sale with this interview and it was just, why? Why, your record, it comes, it goes to the top of the charts. And where are you? You don't come, you don't promote your records. Why is this? We're not a pop group, you know. It's amazing and it's, and it still sounds fresh when you play it, when we play it now to audiences.
Intro Nugget was obviously Call Me by Blondie. The song was released in 1980, went to number one in the US for six weeks, number one in the UK, number four in Australia, number one in Canada, and number two in Norway. Two. It was the biggest selling song in the US in 1980, the eighth biggest selling song that decade in America. This next tune is a song I can't remember ever not knowing, and I've always loved it. And it has a super recognizable drum intro, and also has one of my favorite drum fills ever. And I'm sure you can pick the song from the drum intro. Tonight 
I was uh, uh, going into the studio to record, it was time for a record, and uh, someone said, uh, you know, you should have something up this this time, an up-tempo tune. So uh, uh, record executives usually think in those terms. And uh, I just had the first uh, number one record in uh, England and America for two or three years. I think since 62, and this was in 64. And that was that song was called It's Over. And uh, this was the first number one by an American since 62. So I wrote uh, uh, Pretty Woman, and that took about 30 minutes. Um, and all the good ones don't take long. The bad ones take about six months. Uh, but anyway, we recorded the song, and I... I uh, I remember uh, doing the uh, intro myself on the guitar, and then uh, uh, we got the record made, and uh, it came off very, very well. And uh, I also remember that the uh, the record company asked about the release of the record, and I said, "Well, let's get it out uh, immediately." I said, "If you release it next week." Uh, we've got a good chance. I said, if you wait about four weeks, I said, the Beatles are coming over to tour and uh, the airwaves will be taken up. So it was released about three or four days later and then within three weeks it was number one. And uh, the it was also then the first simultaneous number one in America and England since 1961. So, uh, and that was by my good friend Elvis. So with that, I'm going to conclude part one of Instant Drums. So I hope you let me come in your ear and in your heart next week for some more recognisable drum intros for Instant Drums part two. And just a few quick thank yous for people sending me good vibes this week. Dave Flint, Ross Hetherington, and we heard some of Roscoe's playing earlier in the episode on the Body Jar tunes. I hope you have a better week this week, Sco. Mark Bodner, Glenn Turtle Howard. A few people sent me their end-of-year personal Spotify charts showing me how much time they'd wasted on the podcast. So thanks to Laura McTazzy, Chris Bristow, Rally Williams, and Shannon Trotman. Thank you so much, guys. So I'm going to finish up part one of Instant Drums with a drum intro we heard at the very start of the episode, but I didn't talk about it. It has one of the most frantic, recognisable to me, drum intros, and a nice Norwegian link too. And this is Mike Miley from Rival Sons. Here we are in Oslo. So I'm going to reply to one of the first questions I got. Um, and uh, that is, I, I get asked a lot about uh, Back in the Woods intro. And then uh, my first Patreon subscribers question was about the Back in the Woods intro. So um, uh, I'm going to talk about that. Um, basically, there's a story behind it. Um, I was having trouble coming up with my part, which is kind of funny because the part ended up being you know, in the uh, in the verses. I was uh, just... Um, more doing that out of frustration between one of the takes. And uh, Dave Cobb, our producer extraordinaire, said, hey, do that, do that, and then do a fill into the song. Um, so I was like... How the fuck was that?
country road. 